Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 through about verse 14 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, just this whole week as I was preparing uh, to, or getting ready to prepare for service this morning, uh, I was just really praying about, uh, there's a new series that I'm going to be starting in a few weeks, and I was thinking, do I want to start that now, or do I want to wait for a couple more weeks, and And Thursday morning, I woke up and God had laid this scripture on my heart. And I feel like it is so fitting for today. Certainly uh, with the songs and just with what God I feel like is already doing in the house this morning. And so I want to preach to you uh, this morning on turning to Jesus. And the scripture that was on my heart when I woke up Thursday morning is found in Isaiah 55 in verse 6. And it says this, it says, Seek the Lord... While he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and God will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I believe that this is the season that we need to be seeking the Lord while he may be found. That word while indicates... It is indicative of a time and a season where that opportunity will no longer be available to us. There is, I believe, a very uh, an open window that is now closing. It is slowly closing to the gospel being, being able to be received. I think as we look at our spiritual climate, we look at the political climate, we look at all the things that have gone on, uh, even this past week with Nice, France, and with Turkey, and, and all this uprising and just unrest and all this chaos that is surrounding us, all these things that are happening. I mean, even the political environment in America, just the racial tension and all the things that are happening, all of these speak of chaos. They speak of an end times uh, climate that we're living in. And I do believe that we are in a season... I can't express this enough that we are in a season that if we are going to seek the Lord, we need to seek the Lord now while He can be found. We need to be seeking out God, His plan for our life. We need to be connected to Him. We need to be serving Him. We need to be living right for God in this season. Can somebody say amen to that? Today is the day that every man, woman, boy, and girl need to be sure of their relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to be certain of where we stand uh, for eternity. We need to be certain that we are right with God and ready to, to meet Him when He returns. He says, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. It is time, church, to get real with God. It is time for every person in this room to be honest with themselves and with God. 
it is time to make things right. And so this morning I want to preach to you about turning to Jesus. I want you to do something different with me this morning. I want you to stand as we pray. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come into this room this morning and settle over every heart and every life. And if you are a born-again, Spirit-filled Christian, I'm going to ask you to do the same with me this morning. Father, I pray that, God, you would enter into this room with power and conviction and your presence would fill every aspect of this place. I pray that, God, every person that is sitting in this room, that every person that is under the sound of my voice, Lord, that anybody that is here that does not have a relationship with you, before they will leave, they will have the opportunity to turn to you and receive you as Lord and Savior. The window is closing. The time and opportunity is coming to an end. There is coming a day soon when you're going to break those clouds and you're going to return for us, God. And we want to be a church that is ready, ready to receive you ready to be received by you. I pray, Lord, you help me this morning as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, let's go as you're seated this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1 uh, is a story of a, a, a young man named Rehoboam. He is the son of Solomon. All of us know the story of Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth, uh, probably the richest man to ever walk the face of the earth. He had really everything. And as he's coming to the end of his life, uh, his son Rehoboam is going to be the king in his stead. And so what we find out after Solomon's death is that Rehoboam does not turn out to be a very good king. In actuality, what he will be credited for is bringing a lot of trouble on Israel, and uh, the the worst accomplishment that he accomplishes in his life is that he ultimately divides the kingdom into two kingdoms, to Judah and Israel, and so he splits the kingdom. And, and this reason that all of this happens uh, under his kingship and under his rule and leadership is very clear to us and found in, in verse fourteen of our text. And so, if you'll look there first, it says this that he did evil. Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He did evil. Why? Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Apathy is the gateway of decline. Apathy is the gateway of decline in your life. In other words, it requires some engagement for you to live a consistent Christian overcoming lifestyle on a daily basis. It requires me to prepare my heart to seek the Lord. Rehoboam failed. Why? Because he did not prepare his heart. He was just kind of going through the motions. He was apathetic uh, in his approach to, to the king of, of heaven and earth and to serving God and to following after uh, what his father had actually began in his early kingdom uh, leadership. And so Rehoboam has departed from that and we see that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart. Heart preparation is key. Preparing your heart is vital. Preparing your heart in coming into a service is, is a key to whether or not you're going to receive something in a service or not. I mean, if you don't come in with a prepared heart, you're going to struggle to get anything out of worship. You're going to struggle to get anything out of the message. And if it takes you all through worship to get your heart prepared, yes, you may receive from the message, but you're going to miss a powerful aspect of the service because you don't come in prepared. 
Preparing your heart is a key to receiving. Preparing your heart is a key to walking with God and serving God. And when we take an apathetic approach, we are opening the door to decline and separation from God in our lives. Now all of us in this place, every person in this room, are writing a story with your life. You're writing a story that will be recorded throughout eternity. The story is going to show up in the lives of everyone around you. It will be imprinted on the hearts of your children. It will be imprinted on the heart of your spouse, on your family, on your friends. It is a story that everybody is writing. You're writing your own story today. In your story, there are major themes that will appear throughout. I don't want one of the major themes of my life recorded on the hearts of those I love to be he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Unfortunately for Rehoboam, this is what is recorded throughout history for him. Not only throughout history, but also throughout eternity. This is the legacy that he has chosen to leave. It is a story not of triumph, but it is a story of tragedy. It is a story of opportunity and potential and promise that was misplaced and squandered. However, from this story, there are some things that we can find, some truths that emerge that can help us now to make the right choices and decisions for our journey. In verse 1 of chapter 12 of Second Chronicles, it says, Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with them. As the leader goes, so does the kingdom, right? As the king goes, so does the kingdom. And so because he forsook the Lord and he was leading the people, it says all Israel abandoned God too. Understand this, and this is not in my message, this is a free one. What you do impacts other people. It's not just about you. It's not just His decision that only affects His life. Well, I can do what I want to because it's my life. You only live once. You only get to live life one time. So I can do what I want to and just whatever happens, happens. Listen, we are accountable for the people that we are impacting around us. The story that you're writing is written not on your heart only, but also on the hearts of your children, your spouse, your family, and your friends. It matters. It matters. Well, Pastor, I don't care what other people think. You better... You better. I'm not talking about caring what people think to the point that it cripples you from doing what you know to do is right. And I'm not talking about living in fear. But we very much better care about the impact that we are having on the people around us. Your reputation is vital. Your reputation is important. And you've got to make sure that you're living one that is pleasing to God first and foremost. And if you do that right, everything else will fall in place. Verse 2 says, And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. And again, it says it again, because they had transgressed against the Lord. Why did he come up against Jerusalem? Because they had transgressed against the Lord. And this is what they come up against Jerusalem with. With 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, 
and people without number who came with him out of Egypt. The Lubim and the Sukkim and the Ethiopians, they all come, a number that cannot be numbered, 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen. Why? Because he's walking away from God. And so the first point I want to make this morning is this. Rejecting God only invites chaos into your life. Rejecting God only invites chaos into your life. His precursor to trouble, Rehoboam's precursor to trouble, was forsaking God. When he started walking away from God, he started walking into trouble. When he started walking away from the ways of God and the plans of God, he started walking into chaos and destruction in his own life. Now let me ask you this morning, Who here is interested in some more chaos? Go ahead and put your hand up real high. If you you want more chaos, I feel like the Lord is here to answer your prayer. If that's what you want, I want more chaos. Who would like to have a little more trouble in their life? I I just, Pastor, you know, I've prayed for a lot of people in the altars. I can't recall a single time that I prayed for people in the altars that somebody come to the altar and said, Pastor, I really need a little more trouble in my life. I wish you would pray that God would send a little more trouble my way. No, of course not. No one in their right mind wants chaos. No one in their right mind wants trouble. Yet turning away from Christ and turning into sin always invites chaos. Ed Cole says this, he says, Sin promises to please and serve, but only enslaves and dominates. It promises to please and serve, but it only enslaves and dominates. When I reject God, I am saying to chaos and trouble, hey, come hang out with me for a while. Come be my running buddy. Come, come, come hang out in my world for a little bit. I'm inviting it to come in and be a part of my life. When I turn away from Christ, what we are doing, we are automatically turning toward sin. Well, I just don't want to get all fanatical pastor. I just don't want to get all into church that much. Listen, when you're turning away from Jesus, you are turning directly into sin. When you are turning away from sin, you are turning directly into Jesus. You don't have the privilege of remaining static. You can't stay in one place. You are going one direction or the other. It's either toward God or away from God. It's either toward sin or away from sin. And the fact is that when we turn Towards sin, we leave the protection of Christ Jesus and we expose ourselves to the curse and the effects of that sin that He delivered us from and set us free from. He didn't deliver us. He did not go to the cross and suffer the agony that He went through. Go through the torture and the turmoil that He went through and deliver us out of sin so that we could just walk away from everything that He did for us and turn right into the same mess that He died to deliver us from. When we turn towards sin, we're leaving that protection. God's ways are the ones that always provide me protection and provision. It's the enemy's ways. They provide me with pain and problems. God's ways provide me with protection and provision. But the enemy's ways provide me with pain and problems. And let me just say this, that one of the biggest players in determining whether or not you stay connected to Christ or not is the people that you associate with. 
It is the big, it's probably the biggest player as to whether or not you stay connected to Christ or not. It's the people that you associate with. The people that are most influential in your life are going to be the ones that are crucial to where you are headed. You are either headed toward a deeper relationship with Jesus or away from a relationship with Him altogether. And that, it's that simple. It's that simple. There's no need to make it complicated. There's no need to water this down or try to make it any other way. The fact is you're either headed toward a deeper relationship with God or you're not. And we want to be headed toward a deeper relationship with Him. Rehoboam started off his rule with a bad decision. Rehoboam comes in and the first thing he does is he goes to his elders, advisors. And you can find this in 1 Kings 12. He says to them, how should I rule the people as king? I mean, I'm, I'm about to take over for my father. He's about to die. And so tell me, give me some insight. He goes to the elder advisors in, in his court and he asks them. And they give him great advice in verse 7 of chapter 12, 1 Kings. They say this to him. They spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Great advice. Great advice. But what does he do? He doesn't listen. Rather, he goes in 1 Kings 12, 8, it says, But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young man who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to this people you have spoken to, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Now whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. That's bad advice. So here's the principle that I want you to see this morning from that. Is that if you want to avoid inviting chaos into your life, then seek advice and not approval. Seek advice and not approval. The fact is that Rehoboam didn't want to serve the people. He wanted to be served by the people. So instead of getting good advice, he went out and found some people to give him approval. They may have been called advisors but they were really accomplices. If you want advice, then you go to someone who is farther along in the journey than you. If you want approval, then you get that from people who are in the same mess as you. You know, and, and, and finding somebody that's farther along in the journey with you is not necessarily an age thing. It's a developmental thing. It is a developmental thing. It's, it's someone, just because I've been married for 10 years and somebody has been married for 5 doesn't mean I can't get advice for them. They may be further along in their marriage than I am. And so you want to get advice from people who are 
doing it right and doing it well and doing it better and doing it more advanced than you are. You want somebody that is further along in the journey than you. If you just want to get approval, then you can find anybody who is in the same mess as you to get them to say whatever you need to hear to continue on in the very mess that you're living in. If you want to live for God and become an increasingly better version of yourself, then finding people to give you advice will be the avenue you want to take. But if you want to sin, if you want to act like a fool, if you want to turn away from God, if you want to walk away from His plan, His purpose, and His promises for your life, then there are plenty of people who will line up to give you the approval you need to justify your actions. Why is that? Because misery loves company. And someone who is living a convicted life will quickly try to push the conviction off of your life and give you the approval you need so that you stay in the same mess that they're in. Rejecting God only invites chaos. Sin only invites trouble and pain into your life. Verse 4 it says, And he, speaking of Shashak, king of Egypt, took the fortified cities of Judah and he came to Jerusalem. The second part of this, the second point of this is that rejecting God is always going to cost you something. What happens immediately after he forsakes the ways of God, he has this chaos introduced in his life and then it instantly begins to cost him. It says that they took... They took, they, they captured, they, they occupied the fortified cities of Judah and now they're standing at the door of the king's house. You, none of us in this room, you or me alike, can avoid there coming a payday where sin is standing at our door waiting to collect for all the things that we have sown into it. He's standing at the king's door. There is always a price to be paid. With Christ, the price is paid on the front side with him. He footed the bill for most of the cost. The price for you in following Jesus is to simply take up your cross and follow him. With sin, however, the price is always paid on the back side. And that is the the appeal of it. But there's a whole lot of hidden fees there. There's a whole lot of hidden fees. Be sure of this immutable fact that rejecting Christ is always going to cost you something. It may not cost you immediately, but there will be a bill that comes in the mail. It may be no interest or payments for 30 days. But at the end of that 30 days, the price is high and the interest is ridiculous. It's like the old saying, and you've heard it many times, and it's so true. Sin takes you further than you want to stray. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. And that is the facts of a sin-filled life. A life that is turning away from Jesus and walking into trouble. What is the cost of Rehoboam's sin? Countless lives are going to be lost. The hearts of the people are turned against him and there is a division of the kingdom. That's a high price. So let me just ask you this morning. 
What will be the cost for you should you choose to hold on to sin? What is the cost for you should you choose to hold on to sin? How will it affect your children? How will it affect your marriage? How will it affect you? Who is going to write the chapters of your life? The author of confusion or the author and the finisher of your faith? Verse 5 says this. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, The Lord is righteous. Here's where it turns around. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, The Lord is righteous. Now when the Lord saw, He saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. The last point that I want to make this morning, and it's the most important point, the most vital, and if you don't take anything away from this message, take this one away, please. Returning to God always releases grace and redemption. Returning to God always releases grace and redemption. Always, always, always. When you return to Christ, He has always standing ready to release grace and redemption. He loves you so much that whatever you've done, He's willing to cover it with His grace and redemption, the work at Calvary. He's willing to make it clean and make it right and to help you to get some deliverance from the struggle that you have. He's standing there waiting for a person to return to Him. He's waiting for someone to call upon His name. There is no sin too great. There is no person too far gone. His grace is deep. His grace is wide to cover any sin. And the river of His love is long enough to reach you in your farthest point. He loves you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He shed blood for you. The reason a lot of people don't have an encounter with God is they've never made the work of Christ personal. He did it for you. He did it for you. He loves you. And that has never changed. It never will change. He wants you. That has never changed and it never will change. Now, to balance this, I'm saying to you, I'm not suggesting at all to you that returning to God immediately releases you from all the chaos that you've invited into your life. I'd be setting you up for disappointing. I'd be setting you up for failure. For you to think that just because I give my life to God, everything's going to be peachy and rosy from here on out. It's not going to happen that way. The fact is that inviting Jesus in your life, what it does do is it immediately begins to start working in your favor. 
And over time, He will turn the tide of chaos and work peace in you. Many people are too impatient with the process of God. They come and they get saved and they expect instant results. And the fact is, you've got to walk with Him for a season. You've got to stay with Him for a time. And you've got to let God begin to work these things out in your life. If you've sown into trouble and chaos for years and years, don't think just a moment in the altar is immediately going to change all that. But what will happen is immediately in an altar, God will step into your scene. He will step into your life. He will step into your arena and He will begin to walk with you through the trouble and walk with you through the chaos. He will be a source of peace and He will be a source of strength. He'll be there with you. All of our decisions are always subject to consequences. And just because you turn to Christ doesn't mean everything is immediately fixed. But what it does mean What it does mean, and this is great news, is that God's grace and redemption has now been introduced into my life. And I'd rather have God's grace and redemption at work in those consequences than not. The fact is those consequences remain regardless of God being in your life or not being in your life. And I would a whole lot rather face them. I would much rather face them with His power and presence in my life than to not have Him. He will turn it around for you as you walk closer and closer to Him. Consequences always taste better smothered in grace. Amen? (laughs) Consequences just taste better smothered in grace. Morgan, would you come? We go back to the beginning of this message and Rehoboam's main storyline reads in verse 14, he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. What is your story going to be? What is going to be the major theme of your life? Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Turn to him with your whole heart. The Lord makes a a beautiful promise in Jeremiah to those who will turn to the Lord. He says this in verse 6 of chapter 24. For I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Why did he do evil? Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The Lord today can give you a heart to know him. He will give you a new and fresh outlook on life if you would stand in this place this morning. Holy Spirit, settle in this room. Move upon the lives and hearts of every person in this place right now. I ask that, Father, there be if there be any person here that has an inkling of doubt about where they stand, with you 
that where they will spend eternity, that, Father, they would not leave this place without the assurance of knowing you as their Lord and Savior, that today they would turn away from sin, trouble, pain, and difficulty, and they would turn toward a God of promise and love and grace and redemption. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this house, there are people right here, right now in this room that are standing on the outside of a relationship with God. Maybe you've got some struggles in your life. Maybe there's some things that are drawing you away from God, but whatever, you may be turning away from God this morning, and you know it. You know it. From the moment you set into this room, from the moment you walked through those doors, from the moment the first song started playing, God began to deal with you, and God began to convict your heart, and God began to draw upon you. Today is the day where you'll not be met with judgment and condemnation, but it's a day where you'll be met with open arms of a Savior and a church who loves you and is advocating for you. Today, God's grace is calling you back home. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Tell